chest um, burster. Yeah, you just. <laughs> I just had a chest burster come out of my chest, y'all. Sorry. He just <clears throat> birthed an alien. Oh, all right. Bye, bye, Toph. Too many hard seltzers. Seltzers. Um, feeling good. Feeling fresh. Feeling good. Feeling sweaty. Feeling sweaty, actually. Oi. That's the truth of the matter. Well, I'm excited to talk about this movie. I love Alien. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're what already have you getting done. We're already getting text messages about plans tonight. It's only two PM. <laughs> Y'all. I got shit to do. Ah okay. Yeah, I didn't have any jokes. No. No, just that this is my second favorite horror movie of all time. Hey babe. Yeah, babe. Remember the time we watched Alien? You mean the 1979 anti-capitalist sci-fi horror film? Yeah, duh. I'm so excited. This movie hates corporations and I love it so much. And we've got Sigourney Weaver in it. Icon. Icon. Queer icon. Big, big mood. Hashtag queer icon. Tiniest panties, biggest mood. Oh my God, yeah. We'll We'll talk about that scene. So I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes, here to bring horror right to you. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. We sure do. We love this one. So yeah, Topher, take us away with who made this thing. Can do. So, Alien was directed by very acclaimed director, although this is kind of the top of his career. Yeah. Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. who also directed another of my favorite movies, not Laverne and Shirley. God damn it. <laughs> That's a completely different project. Thelma and Louise. Ah, yeah. It was written by Dan O'Bannon, who is a sci-fi just master, mm-hmm. and Ronald Shusett who is the same. Perfect. I mean, these two dudes wrote fucking Total Recall, several alien, like they are credited on all the alien films. Dan O'Bannon did Dark Star, which is a really great sort of like cult classic. Yeah. It's, there's just a long list of the shit that these dudes have done and they are very, very good at what they do. Absolutely. This movie is a testament to that for sure. Yeah. We have Tom Skerritt as the captain of our ship, the Nostromo, uh, playing Dallas. Mm Mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver as the iconic Ripley. Oh, Warrant Officer Ripley. Mm, Sorry, excuse me, full title. Yeah, it's a hot name. It is. Uh, Veronica Cartwright as Lambert. Mm -hmm. Harry Dean Stanton in one of his earliest roles, which is wild because he's like 500 years old in this movie. Yes. Playing Brett, one of the mechanics. Mm -hmm. John Hurt as Kane. Yep. Einholm as Ash, the science officer. Yafet Koto. As Parker, the other mechanic on the ship, introducing Balaji Badejo as the alien. Uh-huh. And Helen Horton, voicing mother. And that is the entire cast. It's awesome. There's literally no one else in this film. In a- I mean, yeah, because they're yeah. in the middle of fucking space. Yes. You don't have side characters in space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
in space, no one can be an extra. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. We had music from Jerry Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. Another just like, I think everybody who worked on this film really just had a huge career after it. So it's like, I could go into listing all their credits, but it's, it would, that would be the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We would spend an hour and a half doing that because they're all incredible. (laughs) Production from Michael Seymour. Mm-hmm. The set decoration was Ian Whitaker, art direction from uh, Roger Christian and Leslie Dilly, costume design from John Mallow. Mm-hmm. Makeup. To- I'm mentioning all these people because they're, they're they're really important to this film. Yeah, like this this production team was the most one of the most important ones ever. Well, yeah, usually in sci-fi, that's you, the you, case. Yeah, yeah, that is the case. Pat Hay as the makeup artist and Tommy Manderson as the su- makeup supervisor, and then. H.R. Giger credited with the alien design. And mm-hmm. if you don't know who H.R. Giger is, he's a visual artist, was a visual artist, I should say. One of the creepiest men of all time yeah. that I adore. Have you ever heard him speak, babe? No. It's, I'm going to try and do it, but it's like, well, I can't, it's like this really weird sort of high-pitched nasally German accent. Oh, I can picture that. Yeah. It's And it's very like... Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs and the Cadence. Mm-hmm. So, hello, Clarice. It's very similar to that, right? Nice. He's terrifying. Yeah. We should watch some videos of him because he's so interesting to listen to, but a very well-renowned and terrifying visual artist from the 20th century. Yeah. Cinematography from Derek Van Lint. Uh, again, just another veteran in the industry now. Yeah. But this is a, this is a big starting point for a lot of people's careers. Which is really cool. Yeah. Always really cool to see that. We love it. Of course. <laughs> uh, production companies were 20th Century Fox and Brandywine with uh, 20th Century Fox doing the distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was released as a summer blockbuster on May 25th, 1979 in the United States and had a pretty low budget considering what it is. For sure. About eight and a half to fourteen million. I think the fourteen million includes like other cuts, re-releases, things like that. So I would go gotcha. with the low number here, yeah, of what it costs to make this film, and then raked in two hundred and three point six million dollars in box hey. office. And again, that is re- that is including like re-releases and things like that. But but hey, holy shit! <laughs> For this, like, this is such an ambitious film. Definitely, this is probably one of the biggest like. Hail Marys of a of a movie absolutely I've ever seen absolutely. I mean, what before this you'd had Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and what THX the 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 twenty ninety nine or whatever it's I can't remember uh, George Lucas's first film. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, I know uh, what you're talking about THX eleven thirty eight. I don't know. Don't come for me. <laughs> don't at me. I'm forgetting it, but huge sci- sci-fi epic with Hal nine thousand two thousand one. And then the only other like major, major sci-fi kind of horror film you'd had before this was uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. And and when this came out, a lot of people said that people still say that it's not horror, but... Which is absurd. But. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into <laughs> that later. But I do think that that's a contributing factor is that we just hadn't had anything like this yeah. in, the, in really any genre. But horror specifically, we didn't have like such a crossover from sci-fi no um you know you had those films in the 50s that were considered horror at the time that were sci-fi like the blob and the thing from outer space and all of that for sure whenever you have you know some sort of like monster but this was totally different yeah and this definitely has um a shit ton of star wars vibes 
Yeah, it does. Uh, And I think that was just a thing that people were doing because Ralph McQuarrie, the production designer and like visual artist, and like he basically invented the look of Star Wars. Everybody loved it so much that they wanted to do what he did. Absolutely. So you get a lot of those, like it's all homage or reference or just straight up theft, which is fine sometimes in art. And this is one of those times. Yeah. And I always laugh when I watch this movie because I mean, I love it, but it's one of your absolute favorites. And I always laugh because I'm like, of course, this is Tover's favorite, like Star Wars nerd. <laughs> like, of course you like this. Um, it all makes sense. But yeah, yeah. so uh, I think that concludes who made this thing. Yeah, that's yeah. all I had to say on um, the production side. Sweet. Um, pretty stellar crew. So we'll go we'll go straight into some some plot now to yeah. get my get my notes in order. Yeah. So we're on our ship. Giant, giant, giant ship. ship, and it's really cool because it again going back to the Star Wars thing. The opening shot is like the the ship going overhead. Yeah, and it's coming at you in this one. So it's a, yes, it's the it's the different. It's along the same vector, but coming from a different direction, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's like a nice little like hat tip. Yeah, and it's also just like yep. Get like strap in, get ready. We're we're in space, and we're <laughs> and we're kicking off with an art film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because it's just this beautiful so, near silent. Just it's only music, mm-hmm. um, and a few little like foley sounds. Yeah, you just hear like, Psh. right. It's nice as the camera just tracks in to find John Hurt waking up, mm-hmm. and there's a, that really cool shot where it's him sort of stretching and waking up and being in different positions, but it's all overlaid, so you have ghost on the screen. Over. Yeah. And I really love that it wasn't just a straight shot, that they did take the time to just flex like that. Totally. Totally. Um, so we're on our ship. We're kind of, we're introduced to the setting. We've got our establishing shot. And then pretty quickly, we get a transmission from a nearby moon. Yes. Um, LV426. Yep. As I'm told. Um, <laughs> so our ship's computer mother awakens everyone on the ship. And so their their policy says that they have to investigate any sort of potential signal of distress. Yes. So they they have to go and figure out what this signal means. And, of course, they find that it comes from an alien ship and enter it, um, losing communication with their ship. Great. Yep. Um, And Ripley, our girl Ripley, figures out that it's probably a warning, but cannot give that information to the other people on the ship. Right. Even once to, she's like, no, I'm going to go out and like help them. And Ash is like, nah, Roddy. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then of course, you know, in the meantime, Kane happens upon like a, what's a better word for this? Like a clutch of eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like hundreds of them. Yeah. Of just, I mean, and like run, run. Yes. <laughs> like, why would you? These disgusting, weird little leathery egg sacks. And I don't, actually, not little. They're like two feet tall each. Yeah. And this idiot touches one, <laughs> a creature, you know, like, yeets itself out of its egg <laughs> and um, breaks through his helmet and attaches itself to his face. Gross. Sir, why? So then uh, Dallas and Lambert come to the rescue and grab Kane, who is now unconscious. Right. Go. They go back to their ship, the Nostromo. Well, they're they're on trouble. the sort of yeah. So how would you pronounce it? How do they pronounce they it? They say Nostromo. Nostromo. Yeah. 
And Ripley's like, you're not getting on this fucking ship. You got some shit on your face. I know regulations. You got to quarantine for 24 hours so we can find out what's going on. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. This was a little too timely at parts. (laughs) Right? We were kind of watching it. I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, Whenever I hear the word quarantine, I think we're all like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? Why? (laughs) But Ash overrides her decision and lets them inside. This punk ass bitch. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's uh, such a good villain. Yes. Yes. Which is a really interesting point. So Ash is like trying to get this thing off of Kane's face. And this is when we get that really cool part where like the blood. Yeah. We get the acid drips. blood dripping through almost every hull of the ship. And we have that awesome moment where they're like, where they're like, oh my, like we have to keep, they have to keep going down the floors yeah. to see when it will stop. Because they're thinking it's going to, you know, corrode all like, the way through the all outer the way hole through. and, and then they're fucked. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so it stops at like, you know, it goes like through two floors and then it kind of stops like an event. Yeah. And <laughs> there's that line where it's like, don't stand under it. Yeah. And there's like, it's like, it reminds me of like when Subway Goop is like dropping from oh, somewhere. Yeah. It's like, don't stand under it. <laughs> God, you can just see the little puddle of grossness on the floor. Yeah, exactly. So it detaches on its own and then it dies. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like a bee, like once they sting you, they die or... That seems to be the case. Like you it's, know. it's injecting an egg into a living host. It's like a, so those creepy. those weird killer wasps that like put their eggs inside spiders. Yes, yes. Oh my God. I remember when I learned about those, like I watched like a video on that and it's, it's, it's wild. Nature yeah, is insane, guys. Nature's real nasty. <laughs> okay uh so the ship is you know it's doing okay they've got it under control sort of so they decide to like get the fuck out kane wakes up finally but has like some memory loss yeah it definitely isn't all there but considering just having like an acid bleeding face hugger face hugger on like it's fine you know like considering i mean i would be doing (laughs) much worse Oh, I would have been like, get me the fuck out of space. Just put me in space. Just let me die. Right. (laughs) Beams me up, Scotty. Guys, Topher just informed me or reminded me because I've seen this movie a couple of times and maybe my brain was just like rejected the information, but they're still 10 months away from Earth. Yep. That. Nope. Nope. Like. Well, that's the thing is that that's why they put them in stasis because you just sleep the whole time. Oh, my God. Did you ever see the film Rocket Man? Yes. Right? So remember the whole reason he goes crazy and loses all and like eats all their food? It's because his pod doesn't shut right. And so he doesn't go into cryo sleep. Oh. And spends nine months alone. That's the that's the first half of that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's insane. Mad props to anyone who can do that. Like, bless the astronauts. <laughs> I don't know. That's, oh, my God. I think my brain just, like, rejected that information fully. It, it was probably just like, no, that's not, they're not doing that. But mad props. Like, that's that's incredible. Yeah, just um, go sleep in a pod for 20 months. Wow. But anyway, back to the plot. Um <laughs> What brought this up was that after after Kane wakes up, they're having kind of like their final meal all together before they go into their cryo stasis or cryo sleep. Yeah. He chokes and convulses. Just has a nice little seizure moment on the table. Just, just Yeah, just a moment. And then this scene is also fucking cool because a small alien creature bursts 
from his chest. It's so good. And we because, get just like oh. these moments of like you the camera work and the editing in this is incredible because you don't really know what's going on because it's 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 panning, it's 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 shifting back and forth. Right. You just see blood splatter on Lambert. On Lambert, yes, that's just the name all I was All over for. her. All over Lambert and then and then it kind of goes back and then it's just this huge blood splatter and you're like, yeah. what is going on? So then you get, then you see, you know, this, this, you know, creature has come out and, and kills him and escapes into the ship. So this, right. this shit is running rampant. So it's just like, it's, it's running amok. Yeah. So I just want to throw this in here because it's not so important to talk about later in the actual like Alan analysis sure. and like production discussion. Give but it to me. I feel like a lot of folks know this, but just as one of the, it's, this is one of the few moments where I actually agree with the director and uh, lead actor on the scene, not telling anyone what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. normally I'm like, just trust your actors. Right. But this moment is so intense and gory. Yeah. That all they were told, all that everybody but John Hurt was told is Kane dies. Yes. Yes. So only John Hurt's script had what actually happened because he actually had to know what was going to happen. That's right. I remember you telling me this and I was like, yeah. that's actually a, like really cool. So everyone's reaction in that scene is genuine. Is genuine. genuine. Like watching um, Veronica Cartwright yeah. and and the other the other one they focus on is uh, Yafet Koto. Yeah. Like those are the two where you really see their faces because they were the most like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Because they didn't know, like, the chestburster scene wasn't written into anyone else's scripts. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Like, normally I'd be like, okay, that's gross. But... It just lands so well in this. Yeah. It's really one of those moments where you're just like, okay, this is the exception to the rule. Yeah, because normally I would be I would be like, that's got to be against some sort of guideline because they might not be safe if they right. don't know exactly what's right. going on. Right, there because are, there are explosions in this scene. Exactly. Like, that's, you're using, you know, you're, you have, like, exploding blood. Exactly. So I'm like that. Uh, that could you. You need to keep your actors safe, and and that is is definitely breaking that rule. But I don't know. I want to give it a pass for some reason. Yeah. Maybe because it is just so cool, and the and the, having the reactions be so genuine is a good payoff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, supposedly Veronica Cartwright fainted. Yeah. So like in general, guys, we're not for that. But this is just one of those times where we're just like, wow. Yeah. Um, and like apparently John Hurt had to just go and apologize to her a thousand times. He felt so bad about it because be like, she had such a visceral reaction to it. I would say I would say put your money where your mouth is. Give me a raise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I. You know what? Yeah. Like you want to make this right? Give me a raise. Yep. But I, I'm now where you're going to pull that shit again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my emotional and mental state has been compromised. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Anyway. So the whole crew, they like try to uh, track it somehow, try to locate it with yeah. like, they want to capture it and kill it. There are just various ways that they try and do this. They with, just kind like, of MacGyver some, some weapons some, together. Like nets and, and cattle prods, <laughs> flamethrowers. Flame wild so so then we've got cutest cat in the world jones oh, which jonesy which i'm just gonna throw this in there do like don't bring an animal don't bring a cat to space i would be so scared for that cat i have such a soft spot for animals i i just leave them all leave them home leave I, them at home leave I them would with bring your mom a cat to space no i think the reasoning i've heard for why they would do that on because it's such a long voyage it's for like a mental health thing 
That's fair, but still, I think it would worsen my mental health because I would be so worried twenty four seven where the cat was, what it was doing. Is Especially it dead? On a ship this big, it's so large. We see it in comparison to other big things, and you're like, "What the fuck? It's that big?" Yeah, it's I so guess it is hauling twenty million tons of unnamed ore. Yeah, but so yeah, I I it would it would make my mental health worse. Fair, but anyway, so Brett follows Jones the cat um, into. A compartment of the ship. Well, because he um, fucks up, because he <laughs> lets the cat go because it scratches him because it's freaked yeah. out. And Parker and Ripley are just like, you know, you have to go get the cat now, right? Yeah. Because they think it's the alien because they have that little motion sensor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Brett's just like a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. And so you're like, okay, well, you have to go get the cat. You know that, right? Like, it, it's going to keep happening if you don't get the cat. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and now we've got a fully grown alien who um, fucks up Brett, attacks, just yeah. like, Ugh, and then disappears with his body. Ha <laughs> ha. Really fun. <laughs> I feel really safe. fun. Really fun. Um, I need and, an adult. Yeah. Help. SOS. And so then, of course, tensions are high and in, you know, in a heated, heated discussion, the crew... Are like it must be in the air ducts. Yeah. So Dallas has to be the one to enter the ducts and is kind of kind of has this plan to force the alien into like an airlock, but that doesn't work out well for him. It's so interesting that he's the one who goes in because he's the captain. Yeah. And Ripley is the one who volunteers. She says it has to be me. That's true. Because she's true. the third officer, mm-hmm. and the second officer has just died. Yeah. In Kane, so. She's like, it has to be me. Like the chain of that's the chain of command. That's how it goes. And yet Dallas insists. Plays the hero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plays like the hero card and everything. And it doesn't like I said, it doesn't turn out well. No, um no, he it did. Does not. <laughs> he did. Um and then Lambert is like, We gotta we gotta get out of here. Is like yeah. we gotta abandon ship. Let's abandon take the shuttle. Abandon ship. Yeah. Um Abort. And so they're like, we got to take the shuttle. But Ripley is like, is like, we, we literally can't do that. It's yeah, not it, like it's physically not possible. It for doesn't us take to do four. That. We'll die. Yes, exactly. It's like guaranteed so, death versus maybe death. Yeah. Again, like we were talking about with a uh, creep. <laughs> yeah. But the inverse where yeah. the maybe death is staying and the definite death is running. Exactly. So... They have to continue their plan of trying to catch the <laughs> alien and kill it because they have no choice. So then we've got Ripley at the the uh, spaceship computer. Mother, with yeah. Mother. <laughs> mother. And, <laughs> and this is when we discover that motherfucking Ash has been like secretly told by the company to capture the alien and bring it back like don't kill it like yeah. capture and bring it and back and all crew is expendable yeah bro no fuck Wayland Jutani. no 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 so of course Ripley's like what the fuck Ash and <laughs> he tries to choke her to death yeah uh, oh in this really violent disgusting way like he beats the shit out of her he does and then tries to roll up like a magazine and shove it down her throat yeah and then it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy because parker parker uh, 
arrives on the scene. Yeah. And just and clubs. Both, yeah. yeah, just, just grabs, clubs Ash. Grabs that fire extinguisher and just like beats him so hard that he breaks in half. <laughs> I was going to say, which is a wild scene because Ash's head knocks loose and is revealed to be an android. Yeah. And then <laughs> this is the part where like the milk right yeah oh it's so gross it's so perfect. it reminds me of it, like the special effects it reminds me of um evil dead yeah the the evil dead the, original. the evil yeah. dead yeah the original to be clear with like the milk <laughs> we don't really use that anymore no it's, it's more of like we've gone like dark we do yeah like, the we've black, gone to like the black or, like, thing blood yeah blood or something yeah it's interesting too because like again just another little quick production note is Einholm got food poisoning from this scene. Yeah. Because they used this like weird milk mixture. Which I feel like they didn't have to do that. They could have achieved it otherwise. And not yeah. given not given one of their actors food poisoning. At least it was his final scene. <laughs> I guess, but I'm also but yeah, just, like, just like anyone who's had up sour milk. Oh god, ew. I mean like any anyone who's had food poisoning, you you always say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So like yeah. it sucks. You almost had to stop the movie when I told you that last night. <laughs> yeah, I was like that's disgusting. <laughs> you could use something else anyway. Anyway, so Ash's head is like reactivated and um and we learn that Ash's assignment was to keep that creature alive. Yeah. So Ash continues to be a complete asshole and, and, and like talks about how like amazing and beautiful like this creature is and is like, ha ha, you guys are going to fucking die. Yeah. It's and so weird. Like the Lambert line there of uh, it almost sounds like you admire it. And he goes, I admire its purity. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, like creepy. That's not a great line from a British man. Creepy. Uh, so Ripley's like, I'm going to like unplug this motherfucker. Yeah. It's and... so just pissed off. Just like, fuck you. You're dead. <laughs> yeah, just like it's like, ugh, shut the like, shut the fuck up. I wish I could do that to some people. Like, just yeah. press the off button. Like, okay, you're done now. <laughs> Han Solo with C three PO, just like click. <laughs> oh my god! If only I could do that to some people, Ma- uh, namely like dudes in bars. Yes. Like, get away from me, please. Turn it off. And okay, so that as they leave, Parker just like melts him. Yeah. Which is such a nice scene too. Just like fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Bye, bitch, you <laughs> hunk of metal. This thing is not coming back to life. You're a android. Bye. <laughs> so the remaining crew of like what? We're down to like three now? Yes. Three people? Three people and a cat and yep. an alien somewhere? Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. So they're like, all right, we kind of have to like self-destruct ourselves yeah. and escape in the shuttle because now it can hold... It can hold them. Three people well, and a cat. I think right? Ripley is just sort of like, okay, if we really truly cannot kill this thing. We have to Because that's self- what Ash's final words are. We have to detonate. Yeah. They're like, yeah. okay, if I can't kill it, kill it, I can at least blow it up and have it. If it survives the explosion somehow, at least it'll be floating in space in the middle of nowhere and everything will be okay. Yeah. And then poor uh, Parker and Lambert kind of get like the least climactic deaths here because they're just yeah. like gathering supplies and then they die <laughs> and they get killed. I yeah. mean, and we and and then this is when the payoff starts to really happen. We've been revving up this whole time and we've had like little things happening, but like this is really this is the part in the spaceship movie where they press the button and they say T minus yeah. this and you can't <laughs> reverse. It's like T minus 10 minutes or whatever until it happens, but T minus five minutes for you to change your mind. Yes. So you really only have five minutes. And so uh, Ripley initiates that. And then finds none other than the alien blocking the shuttle. 
So <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> so then um, she tries to abort the self-destruct, but doesn't make it in time. Is unsuccessful. Yeah. It's such a like um, down to the wire moment. Of course it is, right? Of course it took her two and a half minutes to get to the alien and two and a half minutes, just under two and a half minutes to get back to the self-destruct. Yes. Area. And then, and then we've got this, you know, awesome scene where she just gets to the shuttle and like barely escapes. And you see behind just like the detonation, just like explosion. Yeah. It's, it's like that perfect ending that you like are so satisfied to get by any sort of sci-fi movie. You always want the like just barely escaping, whether it's someone running from something and like the explosion. Yeah. It's become a very cheesy thing now, but like, and, and something that people, you know, do parodies of, but at this time and in this movie, it's like the payoff that you kind of want. It was, yeah, it was what you were supposed to do. Like it's, it's what you're expecting. The Death Star in Star Wars. Yeah. And then of course the really, really fun ending where, <laughs> Ripley starts to prepare for the for the stasis and guess who guess who somehow made it on board? <laughs> Not the cat. The, the alien. I mean the cat's there. The yes. cat is there. I will make that clear. She like grabbed Jones and they're there. But who else is on board? None other than the motherfucking alien. Ugh. So it it just like had it's such a such a sneaky son of a bitch. It had just like wedged itself into like a tiny little like because well, it's so nook. well camouflaged too because the way its body looks it actually fits into high, like because it's got like a everything. it's got like a yeah it's almost like a hard like exoskeleton which we don't even we don't even really see which is a real honestly another really cool editing technique where we don't really see what the alien looks like yeah it's always we're not in faced dark. with it the only um, time we ever actually see the whole thing is in a second exactly so so Ripley puts on like a a, a spacesuit and uses gas to try to get the creature out. And of course the alien is like trying to attack Ripley. So she opens the airlock door and almost, almost blows the creature into space. But it's like gripping onto the frame yeah. in like a crazy, crazy way. And then Ripley's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot this bitch. Gets it with the hook, but the gun catches. Right. As the, as the door closes, which just tethers the alien to the shuttle. It's like fuck <laughs> and then it somehow like it, it pulls itself up it uses that giant weird gross tail it has it like whips yeah. it it's like a little scorpion tail but it like whips itself like spider-man onto the engines oh, it's mother it's smart it's so, oh, it's fucking so annoying smart. it's so annoying and so gets in gets into the one of the engine exhausts yeah like the i guess like a pipe or something and so ripley's like well all right and like fires <laughs> Thanks for the lining up the shot for me and just, yeah, exactly. And then just like blasts the cre- blasts the creature away. And then basically is just like, all right, Jones, we're gonna we're gonna go into uh, stasis, and uh, it's just you and me going home to Earth. See you in ten months. Yeah. And that's the movie. Yeah, yeah. She's like six weeks from the frontier or something like that, and is hoping she gets picked up by then. Yeah. Oh. Oh God, you guys. Whew. Such a good movie. And honestly, I mean, it was made like what forty. 41, 41 years ago. 41 years ago. And it still holds up. It still holds up. It's still such a fun time. The effects are still, you know, good enough to where you're, you know, you can suspend your disbelief. Uh, yeah. Aside from the milk. The milk I can do without. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the effects are really cool. And like I was saying with the alien, with you don't really know what it looks like. You do and you don't. Yeah. So, and it's growing 
through the entire film. Yeah, you get a sense of what it might look like, but I love the just sort of fear you feel by not totally knowing what this thing's deal is. Like, you know, it has yeah. two mouths. Yeah, yeah. And a big long head and a tail and like a lanky slender fl- frame. Yeah, and it looks it looks very phallic. When yeah, it's, yeah, it looks, it's a penis it looks, monster. Well, to me, it lo- like in the beginning, it looks like a big old vagina. Yeah, but it's both a vaginal and penile reference. Yes. Love it. But yeah, I mean, you know me. I am um, Nicole. Don't show the monster hood. And um, <laughs> and like and so with them kind of disorienting you and you not really knowing exactly what the alien looks like is a really cool tool that they use. Yeah, it's it's a really great thing. I mean, I wish that you don't see it bouncing around like it, it bonks off the back of the shuttle. And I don't love that shot. Yeah. But that is the only time you ever see it fully in full. Exactly. And and it's also it's also a really cool move because aliens equal unknown, right? Right. Like that is a, that is exactly what why people fear aliens and UFOs and all of yeah. all, all of that. So and and that doesn't exclude the crew on the ship. And that doesn't exclude us. So they don't know what the fuck this thing is capable of. They don't know even really, you know, what's going to happen. So it kind of takes the audience along for the ride. It kind of takes the audience along for the ride as well um, by not really revealing all of the information about the alien, um, which I think is really, really uh, allows this movie to hold up as well as it does. Yeah. And also, I'm going to say what what allows it to to really be held up is its treatment of the main character. Hundred um, percent. Because we've got we've got a very strong strong female lead, for lack of better term, in in Ripley. Yeah. And Ripley has agency. Ripley kind of is the story. Is not only interacting with the story because Ripley's character arc is what we're following. And she has a damn good one because she kind of starts out as, you know, just like... So Ripley starts out obviously capable of what she's doing, knows exactly um, what her job is, knows all of those things, but hasn't really come into her own yet as far as owning her confidence in, like, in knowing what she's doing. Yeah, in leading. And, And this, yes, yes, in leading. And you... And... I think anyone who has uh, started a job can feel that way. You know you're qualified, but it's kind of just like, okay, we're going to see how this goes. But then we see Ripley really take take the reins and lead and make executive decisions and just and and none of it. And the fact that it's not just like a woman lead that is like overly sexualized like yes we get that we get that scene of her kind of like stripping down to her tiny underwear and (laughs) like she's wearing like a white tank top no bra sort of situation but honestly that that did not strike me as like too much of like male gaze she's not like doesn't feel hyper sexualized and she doesn't feel like a mary sue to me it kind of felt like to to me that it kind of felt like to me that she felt like she was suffocating and needed That's to take a cool read. and needed because she's obviously overwhelmed. Everyone on here is overwhelmed. Yeah. And this is the scene where she's like, like you said, like she puts her hair up. She's like going to figure shit out. 
Yeah. Um, she's really getting down to business. And I honestly think that in her suit, I honestly feel that when she was in her suit, she was feeling a little bit suffocated. Right. And like she just, I mean, it's the same thing I do at the end of the day when I take off like a bra. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, God, like rough day. My you responsibilities know? are over now. Yeah. I and mean, it's even more telling that it's her uniform, right? Exactly. And that's what's coming off. I like that. That it's like, okay, she dealt with leadership in the worst way possible. Not that she was the worst at it, but that she yeah. had the worst circumstances possible to become a leader. And also like... And the, that uniform represents the leadership and yeah. all of that. And so taking that off is that... Yeah, it's the taking off the it's bra. It's the exhale. It's the, yeah. It's the exhale for her. Exactly. And I also think that if it were... If it were to be, like, if the point of it were to be male gaze, it she would have been wearing, like, something ridiculous under it. Right. Like, some sort of, like, lacy, like, and we all would have been like, what the fuck? Why was she yeah. wearing that under, <laughs> like, she's just wearing, like, cotton, you know, yeah, just, like, just normal very cotton, practical day-to-day, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that if it was, like, the, po- the point of it was male gaze is that there would have been, like, some weird underscoring. And there would have yeah. been, like, it would have been, like, some weird underwear that didn't, wasn't practical. Like, just didn't make sense with her uniform. And yeah. we all would have been, like, girl, are you not chafing under there with all that? Just, like, lace? Like, Ugh. what is going on? You've been running around and sweating. That's yeah, not going to go saying. well for you. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I don't Cotton's know. a breathable fabric. Yeah. I don't know. That's just how, that is how I read it. Because. I like that read. Also, when the character is so strong and, and has such a beautiful arc that we follow, I, I'm more willing to give like one scene that, you know, could be male gaze the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It's also it's a vulnerability moment, too. It is. Right? Like it it's definitely that she finally is. feels safe. Yes. She feels like she did it. And yeah. it's, it's not just the exhale, but it is the finally like, OK, I feel safe yeah. now. And I, I, going back to the costuming just real quick. Yeah. I think it, it, it comes into a point that I love about this film. Yeah. And another reason I think it holds up and why I think it's so revolutionary mm-hmm. is that this is the first time you'd ever seen working class people in space. Oh, totally. Like this was not, you know, Luke Skywalker, hero of the universe uh, or Starbuck, hero of the universe or yeah. uh, these daring, fascinating astronauts in 2001, a space odyssey who end up journeying to a, a mind palace in Jupiter. Like, Totally. This is truly just a bunch of working class people. It's a more realistic version, I think, mm-hmm. of what space flight and a spacefaring humanity would look like. Totally. Yeah, because you're not glori- you're not glorifying these people like you right. do like you were giving perfect examples of stuff from um, of people from Star Wars. Like you're you're not automatically glorifying these people that you don't know. You're you're yeah. kind of just they're they make it very clear that they're like average. Yeah, jokes. none of these are like special hero shiny people. They're just doing their job. They're and they're hauling some ore. Yeah. They're miners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or long-haul truckers, you know? That's and true. That's, that's what I really like about this is that it does feel... It makes it... it, it in, the, in the horror side of this, it makes it feel that much more terrifying. Absolutely. Because you don't know if they're going to survive because you know from the jump they're not special hero boys. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, that's absolutely true. And I love that about this because yeah. you do have a victorious, with a big old asterisk next yeah. to it, hero of the film. That's an air quotes. I realize this is an audio medium and not a visual one. I'm an idiot. <sighs> It's just really cool to me that you have this underlying layer of terror because you can insert yourself into those characters, right? Thousand percent. Like, it's not like Spock and Kirk and uh, Bones and Scotty out to save the day. Yeah. And you know they're going to be fine because they're strapping and all American or all 
Scottish or whatever, and like all Vulcan, uh, they are just regular fucking people. And one of the ways they did achieve that regular looking people thing was by having a little more diverse cast than you would have ever expected. I was actually just about to talk about that as well because we not we not only have we not only have one one woman who is like the the lead, which is already you know yeah. A, progressive for that time (laughs) we've got two women in the crew yes um two very like outwardly capable women Mm -hmm. in the crew and then we've also got parker yeah a black man who like unlike the other horror stereotypes does not die first and also and also isn't the villain yeah like we like Thank you for thank you for that. You know, we would love to see obviously some black led like let's remake Alien and put like fucking <laughs> I'm trying to think of who would I mean anyone would be incredible like in in there. Um let's put fucking Lakeith would be dope as Ripley. I know. That's what I was thinking or um <laughs> Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson. Oh, she she definitely has those vibes. Because like a lot of the She's Valkyrie very, like, vibes. I was about to say, in, yeah, like sorry, the tough to girl. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would I would actually love to see that. I would even love to see. Oh, and we you could put um you could put Lupita in Lambert in oh, Lambert's yeah. role, like hundred percent. And let's just make new movies, right? Yeah, let's just like <laughs> yeah, let's just throw that in there. And and I if I were to rewrite this, I would give Lambert a stronger arc as well. Yeah, it's it's funny because Lambert has to be there to sort of be the audience surrogate because I think Definitely. that's really who she is as Definitely. a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things that was really cool about the way this film was written. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always work because you have to trust that the casting is going to go ahead and fill it with a diverse cast on their own. Yeah. But they were all written as blank slates. No one had to be a gender or a race. So that is also what's so cool about this. Because Lambert and Ripley were both written as just like none of the characters were written as men or women or uh, any race which you can they tell were... because all of their names are i mean and i i names don't really have like genderness you know what i mean but they but could it's in not... terms of like but it's all last names that's the thing that's yeah. why you don't know anybody's first i that's... eventually learned uh ripley's first name in later films yeah but... well that's why that's why this is that's why this is so cool is that they they literally set they literally set it up yeah in that way that like like this is just going to be a group of people they're they don't even really if we're making it realistic they don't even really have to jive that well like it has to it has to work but in if we're making it realistic a team out in space might not jive yeah they don't have to be their job this is yeah this isn't like uh wet hot american summer or anything like it's not an ensemble like that it's a they're, these people are going to their job. I've worked with plenty of people I couldn't stand. Exactly. We but still have. managed to get my job done. We, yeah, exactly. So I think that that is a huge reason why this still holds up. It doesn't because it treats the characters as just just people. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't really. It doesn't gender them. It doesn't. It, it's not. I don't know. It doesn't put them in any sort of box. And it gives power to the actors too. Yeah. To make their own decisions about how to be. Yeah, and to the director to say, okay, try this, try that, try this, try that. It becomes more. It can become a more collaborative experience. Yeah. The problem with this is that it's like colorblind casting. It doesn't actually work because yes, yes. this is a rare instance of it kind of working. Yeah. But like we've talked, I mean, we haven't talked about specifically, but we as a culture have talked about with colorblind casting is like, oh no, you just end up casting white people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't. It ends up being a bad thing. Yes, it does. It so does. it's. 
there is a that's the big problem with this style of writing but it's also kind of how i tend to write of like i don't really unless there's a reason for it that i want to point out i don't make a character of a certain race or gender unless it's an actual story beat i was about to say yeah if it if it if it determines you know where how they speak or where they came up or where they you know like that that would be something or if it's based off of someone in your real life yes which is also the other way i write characters which is just naming them after friends of mine yeah and people i know and then changing the name at the end (laughs) well i mean it's also just like I, i i i love that uh style because it 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 should really just be about like what the actor brings you know 100% because i i bet you Sigourney Weaver's screen test was awesome for this you know what i mean like yeah. I, there's no way that i can believe that it wasn't and i feel i feel like they just had to pick just people you could believe were just working class normal people who had you know who brought something into the room, who had like a stellar, just like something yeah. about them that they were just like, this is how we would see this character. And in that way, it's not only just like colorblind, which again, that's like a terrible thing that white people have just kind of used to say that they're being inclusive, but yeah. they're not. Um, but it, it, if it's not historically set somewhere where people have to be a certain race, then like, it can be it, it's just it, it it's, it's just who brings what <laughs> it's fucking sci-fi it's that's fake. what i'm saying it's yeah the, it's, it's speculative fiction it's in the future it can be anything you want it to be yeah i've yelled about this so much with like fantasy yeah. too yeah i'm just like no you get that you're you don't have rules you right? can cast anyone in this <laughs> anyone so i think it's made that, up <laughs> i think that they did a really nice job of making making it diverse especially for especially for that time yeah. Like today, is it as diverse as it could be? No. But I think for for the time that it came out, it, it holds up today. Yeah. Um, I, that's exactly right. I do want to bring up Ian Holmes' performance in this. Great. Because I do think it. it's such subtle writing, but then it, it becomes the master performance that it is because of the actor. Absolutely. You know, like... Absolutely. He's so creepy and you don't know why. And you think it's just because he... Like there, are, this is where the gender dynamics do come in in the film. Definitely, it's because Ripley is technically a higher rank than he is. Totally, and and this is this is when they come in, but it but they come in and and just um, display something important. Yeah, and it's not even. And I don't think it's on purpose. I think it just ends up coming across that way. Yeah, which is so great. Like that yeah. is just. I think they both sort of figured out as actors together how to play that dynamic because she's For not sure. soft and feminine. No, she's hard. No, she's, she's she's got hard lines. She the only she, time she shows softness is saving Jonesy. She gives me mad Brandy Carlisle vibes, and I love that. <laughs> and so I think what's so great about his performance is that he does not reveal what he's about. Yeah, and he's just sort of this like black box of what are you doing? And it's so interesting that it doesn't distract from the main like through line of the film, which is mm-hmm. kill the alien because it's killing us. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the reveal when he's an Android, it, you start to see a weirdness right before he actually is revealed to be one. But yeah. like he and Ripley get in a fight inside the, the helm mm-hmm. and then he's like got white shit coming off of him. Yeah. And you're like what's up with that? And then he starts attacking her and then he gets killed and you're like, oh, yeah, like there's all these big, these like tiny reveals. And so it's I think it's so interesting to me with his performance is that he is an android and knew he was an android the whole time. Yeah. The uh, Ein Holm did. Yeah. And 
for him to then make choices either as an actor or as a character is very cool because Android is sort of like human uh, robot crossover. I guess it's cyborg. Android is a a robot with a, yeah. Humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. How much agency does he have? Is a question I ask every single time I watch this movie, and I don't have an answer for it because, no, like, I... is the is the company controlling him? Yeah. Or is he just loyal to the company? I was about to say I think it's it's uh, programmed to be loyal to the company no matter what. Just a so, true company man. So it's kind of like making decisions, but with that umbrella of always staying or like the tethered yeah. thing to the company. So maybe, I mean. I don't. I don't have a lot of experience with Androids, but um, <laughs> not even the phone. I'm an iPhone user, um, so they like don't, they don't plug this podcast. Don't plug them. <laughs> fair, but like in my mind, he's been programmed to respond in certain ways. But with the like the header is always be loyal to the company, keep the alien alive. And yeah. The. Kill the crew if you need to. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I like that run. The one thing that really throws a wrench in it for me is his final moment. Yeah. Because his final moment is a choice. Definitely. And he makes, they're like, okay, shut him off. And he goes, last word. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because that's a desperation moment, right? It is, yeah. I want to say one last thing. And I it's, I want to say. For sure. Not for sure. I was told to say by the company, I want to say something. And I think that's such a cool, weird little performance note. Yeah. Well, maybe there's and something. And he like wishes them luck, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe there's something where, you know, all of those other sci-fi movies where like, it's kind of like a Frankenstein situation yeah. where like someone makes an intelligent enough android or robot to where they start to learn things. Yeah. And they, and they somehow, like, they usually become a monster in these sorts of situations, but... I don't know. I think it might it might just be they've programmed because they don't want the other crew to find out that he's an android. Right. So they've probably programmed him close enough to have human interactions Mm -hmm. and be able to learn in that way. So I'm sure that that's where that comes from. Yeah. And so I I I don't know. I just like playing with it in my head of like, okay, well, what what part of this performance was that? What part of this performance was the other? Right. And I think that it's I want to believe that it was the android learning throughout the film and what it learns is to resent its superior officer Mm -hmm. and subvert her because it's been told to subvert her Mm -hmm. but it take it it develops beliefs about that knowledge yeah does that make sense that's kind of like an abstract philosophy thing but like yeah having beliefs about the types of knowledge you have changes how you know and believe things yeah updating evolving yeah yeah, yeah. adaptation Mm -hmm. is what i'm talking about in a, a more abstract sense Totally. And so I think it's really cool to just watch that performance and see every single time I'm just like, oh, man, I love every performance in this in this movie is good. Yes. Yes. It's it's, it's a solid, solid movie. Yeah. And, you know, people it's it's one of those where everybody showed up and did their damn job, you know? Yeah. Which are the films we love. Like yeah. we always those are always the ones that we just are like, OK, and it's the only reason it worked, I think. I mean, there's any part of this starts falling apart and nope. Yeah, this, it, it, this just, movie it, is... it would unravel very quickly. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's great. Um, I think one last thing that I wanted to touch on was like why I think that people thought this, still think that this isn't a horror film. And my reasoning for it is always looking at what came out around that time. Yeah. 
because you had a lot of movies that had immediate payoffs and you had a lot of movies that had like like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You had sure. kill, 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 kill. End of um, movie. End of movie. <laughs> yeah. Which fine. That's a that's a slasher. That's, yeah. that's definition. But this one gives you so it's it's like it's like riding your bike up that really steep hill and then you get the drop or yeah. like a roller coaster you're going yeah. you're going very very slow because gravity um which is funny because it's, it's a space movie but <laughs> and then you drop so i think that that is what didn't strike people as a horror film was that they were used to at that time just like payoff 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 and sure. very little, like maybe fifteen minutes of ramping up. This movie is like two thirds of ramping up. Yeah, you get it's like very little, slow. You get little things in there here and there, but like the payoff is worth it. So I think that the style that it was done, and then just the fact that it was in space. But you made a really good point that like it's obviously a horror film. The setting is sci-fi. Yeah. And that's absolutely true because you can, the wonderful, amazing thing about films is that you can set it anywhere. Yeah. You can, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you can have something that is, you could have a fucking romantic comedy in space. Yes. You I'm writing have, one. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. You can do, you can do whatever the fuck you want. But I think people got confused by saying like, you know, well, it's, it's, it's clearly sci-fi because it's in space. If they didn't go as hard as they did on the dread and the aliens and all of that, then maybe I could, you know, imagine that it's only sci-fi. But the fact that you have that dread and you have that thing, just like the 1951 movie, The Thing, the Mm -hmm. the original, you have that inherent dread of what's going to happen to these people. And you have the scary, very obvious monster that just won't, that just keeps popping out tricks. Yeah. You know, And, and you just... If you're going to consider The Thing a horror film, then there's no reason not to consider this one a horror film. Hell, you said this last night. If Halloween's a horror film, this is a horror film. Exactly. An unstoppable force of murder Mm -hmm. stalks people through a small area, relatively speaking. Yeah. Through a box, right? Yeah. And that's this plot. If you really want to boil down this plot, it's a slasher. Yeah. A slasher in space, and, and the monster like, happens to be a sci-fi related monster. Yeah, but I don't see. And again, like I just wanted to touch on that. A hundred percent. No, I think that's. I I appreciate that because I've had several people tell me like, no, 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 it's not. Like I told people we we're gonna cover it, and they're like, fuck that. That's not a fucking horror film. I'm like, the tagline for this film is in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah, if that's not. <laughs> If that's not a horror film, then I don't know. Fuck me. I, I quit. Yeah. You know, like, I, what, what are we even talking I don't, yeah. about anymore? I should just, yeah. Um, that's horrifying. Because it's true. <laughs> no one yeah. can hear you. Sound doesn't space. carry. You're like, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> we shouldn't go to space. Um, Fuck space. <laughs> oh, my God. So scary. The abyss. The abyss. But yeah, did you have any other... That's any really other all I have to say, say for today. Yeah. Uh, if you ever want to talk to me more about Alien, I will talk your absolute fucking face off about it. Yeah. It's, like I said, I think it's my second favorite horror film of all Wonderful time. Wonderful film. Highly recommend. If you have not already seen it, I mean, it's been out for 41 years. Um, <laughs> so if you, But if you have not seen it, absolutely give it a watch. Give it a try. So that dope new theme song that you're hearing at the top of our episode and at the back end is by our dear friend, Seth Haken. He is amazing. Thank you so much, Seth, for upping our podcast game. Sweetest man and the most fire producer. Yes, we love. 
Thank you, Seth. So yeah, you guys know where to find us. Um, we're at Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram. We're at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter. And we are HorrorBabesPod.com. Until next time, bye, bye babes. babes. Yeah, babe.